0: Welcome to Munchies & Mindset, sponsored by Holistic Approach, your online store for healthy snack options. Munchies & Mindset is the show that talks about mindset and living your best life, where host Katie Gilligan will speak to experts in their field to find out ways they have made changes to improve their mental, physical, or spiritual self. Welcome back to Munchies and Mindsets. So excited to be here today with Jennifer Fable. We are going to be getting right into some amazing things. Jennifer, I've never actually worked with you, but you have come so highly recommended to me by so many people. Um, We are in the same networking groups and we know quite a few of the same people. So it's kind of fun that, so many people are like, "Oh, you got to talk to Jennifer." So, I'm really excited. I when I was reading your bio, I was like, "Oh, you are a, you're like a miracle worker in this time right now when we're so there's so much mental illness crisis going on and your bio was like you are it you are going to help so many people with your talk. So, before we get started though, I want to ask you, what is your favorite uh, snack food?
1: Oh gosh, uh cheese. <laughs> <laughs> like, You're after my heart. <laughs> right yeah and I can't just have like some of the cheese I have to have all of the cheese <laughs> so yeah if you there's a cheese tray handy that's where you will find me at there any party go. me too Love <laughs> right <cheese>. so good
0: <laughs> well thank you so much for being on munchies and mindset and for those of you watching I'm gonna read a quick bio because I don't want to miss a thing because this woman is really really amazing and the things that she does and how many people she helps but uh Jennifer lives by the motto you are not broken this has become her personal and professional mantra and is one she intends to spread to as many people as possible. As a mentor, coach, and motivational speaker, Jennifer offers alternative support for anybody suffering from feelings of depression, overwhelm, anxiety, or hopelessness who isn't finding the healing they want through traditional mental health services and are tired of the emotional roller coaster and I think so many of us are on that right now. Yeah. In her live and virtual events, as well as her one-on-one private practice, Jen specializes in bringing a mixture of humor, honesty, and personal truths to help inspire a new perspective Mm -hmm. on health, growth, and change. So who is Jen? She is someone who has walked the path of brokenness and lived to tell the story. She is someone who has experienced a dark night of the soul and lived there over 13 years. She is someone who has been told over and over again that she is broken. And yet here she is, stronger, unbroken. Jennifer candidly shares her stories in hopes of inspiring others that knows uh, how it feels to be broken. And I'm so happy that you're on here because you know what? Right now, a lot of people are feeling this way. A lot of people are down. We are in this whole 18 months, 15 months, however long. I don't even know anymore. It has caused so much mental health with the you know, we had a doctor on before that said there's pillars of health. And when you take away the financial and the the ability to exercise and socialize, you've taken away three of the pillars and people can't function that way. As human beings, we're not made to function that way.
1: Um, well, it's not for... that we're not made to function that way. It is that times like this give us an opportunity to experience our flexibility and our adaptability. And when we have the pillars, we have no need to lean on flexibility and adaptability so we just don't get to strengthen those muscles when any of those pillars are taken away new pillars are there for us we just need some help finding them and tapping into them
0: that's amazing oh i can't wait to get into a little bit further with you <laughs> uh we're going to be talking about your we emotional health because we're going into here and um there's so many factors that involved our emotional health and you coming from your darker soul path, how did you find your way out of that and maybe helping other people to see that they're in just spot right now that they just can't physically move on? How did you like, sometimes you feel like you're underwater and you're trying to swim to the surface.
1: Yeah, and um, I found this path 100% accidentally quote unquote accidentally, if you believe in accidents, uh, which I don't anymore. Um, I had, so I mentioned, you know, I spent quite a bit of time in the dark night of the soul and my my journey and my story started when I was 19 uh, because that's when I received my official diagnosis. Um, Although of course, by then I'd been suffering for a lot of years and my official diagnosis was seven different mental health diagnoses, including um, anorexia, bulimia, major depression, generalized anxiety disorder, um, obsessive compulsive disorder, suicidal ideation, and self-harm, which means yes, there are scars on my body that I put there, and in other words, broken, right? And I went to a lot of specialists and a lot of very smart people with really impressive degrees on the wall and letters after their name, and they all agreed that I was broken, that I was just born with something wrong in my brain, that I... I believe by the time I entered recovery, I had a statistical chance of about 12% is what they said, that I would never be off medication, I would always suffer, and that the best I could hope for was long-term recovery and a management of my symptoms to learn how to live with my brokenness. And I believed them because when some very smart people with really impressive letters after their name and degrees on the wall tell you that you're broken, it's only a matter of time before you believe them. and that became my story. That became that thing that I told myself about myself to myself and anyone who would listen. And I lived that story for a little over 13 years. Um, And then I was fortunate that my anxiety started to come out in different ways because anyone who suffers with anxiety knows that when you manage it in one area of your life, it sort of siphons off and starts to spread kind of like a virus. And uh, my... Anxiety started to show up as a severe phobia um, of insects, like bugs, which doesn't sound like that big of a deal. Um, and Ontario is a very buggy province. Um, I mean, the gypsy moths right now are just everywhere, right? And that's just one of the bugs. And so it got to the point where I literally wouldn't leave the house. Um, I, it almost created like an agoraphobia Um, even going to the hardware store where they have like just cans of bug spray that just have a picture of a bug on it, I would have to walk down the aisle like this. Like I just couldn't. And there's a lot of shame in that because I'm a very smart person and I'm well aware that a bug of like a picture of a bug is not going to get me, but my body would just go into this fight or flight instantly. Like a butterfly would come by me the symbol of transformation spirituality and I'd be like Gah! and I'd like I literally ran into traffic at one point trying to avoid a bug and almost got hit by a car so it got really severe and when it comes to phobias there's really only two options there's desensitization therapy which means at some point I'm going to pay someone money to put me in a room with a bug oh god no <laughs> sign up for that even though logically I understood that by the time I got to that step I would be okay with the bug there's no way I was going to sign up for that um, or more of the alternative like hypnosis which I did not believe in I thought it was silly I thought it was a scam uh, and I couldn't leave my house so I was kind of desperate and so I'm like you know what I'm willing to try anything and I reached out to my chiropractor at the time who was really helpful and I'm like some random chance do you know someone who does hypnosis because I didn't just want to google and find some random person to scramble my brain like I didn't know it was going to happen and she's like yeah actually I I do know someone which I was like that's weird um so I met with this woman who is still my coach nine years later and uh in one session she nailed on the head what 13 years of therapy and a four-year degree in psychology never came close to She's the first person who ever looked at me and said, you're not broken, I can help you. And she promised that she could get me there and I didn't believe her. I still thought it was a scam, but I trusted my chiropractor and I couldn't leave the house. So I was like, I'm I'm willing to try anything. So I worked with her and after three months, I was shocked when not only did the phobia disappear, but suddenly that voice in my head that told me that I was worthless, that I wasn't good enough, that no one liked me. It started to disappear just organically on its own. And these new voices came in that told me that things are going to be okay. And I'm a huge nerd. So I'm like, how did that work? How is it that no one's talking about this as an option? Why are we not promoting this more? Why was I not told about this? And so. I ended up taking the trainings just to satisfy my own curiosity, never intending to do this work. I worked in animal health. I managed animal hospitals. I did marketing. I was fine in my job. Um, and then I took this course just to understand it. And um, within about two weeks, I actually, when I first graduated from the course, I posted on Facebook. I'm like, I could do hypnosis now because I thought that was funny. <laughs> I'm like, look at me. And um, a lady I know came up to me and like privately, she's like, hey, do you do hypnosis? I'm like, I do. How fun is that? And she's like, can you help me with my phobia? And I'm like, oh, oh, like serious stuff. Okay. <laughs> so, oh, I, I didn't anticipate that. And she's like, yeah, I can't. I have a phobia of swallowing pills. I'm like in my fifties. It's starting to really become a problem. I need to take supplements and medication. And every time I even think about it, I choke. Can you help me? And I'm like, I mean... In theory, I could, and you're a friend of mine, so sure. And so I worked with her, and after three sessions, the phobia was gone. And I was just so overjoyed at being able to actually make a difference in someone's life and help someone with something that they thought was just a defect in them. They just thought they were broken. And so that's kind of how all this started. Just I found this, the path found me, as I think all good paths do.
0: Like, like you said in the beginning, uh, there is no accidents. It's all it's all, um, it's all, all meant to be. You'll find your path and you'll be forced down it. And sometimes if you're not listening to the universe, it'll smack you in the face.
1: <laughs> yep. I call the two by four to the face. <laughs> and I, man, I got really good at getting hit by the two by four. I got really good at ducking from the two by four. Um, so I can bob and weave with the two by four. Um, so I know it very well. And yeah, eventually the path, made its way to me, and I was open to see it because, you know, you have to get smacked around sometimes a little bit before you're willing to say, all right, let's try something different.
0: Mm-hmm. And really um, interesting to hear about all the phobias and that it goes with anxiety and that you can help phobias, because I know there's a lot of people out there that do have phobias, and some maybe different but it doesn't matter what the phobia is you can clear it doesn't matter if it's if it's insects or if it's driving in a car or if it's flying in a plane you can help with any phobia so that's kind of nice because when you do have a phobia and i i'll admit right out here because my husband's like really katie i'm arachnophobic i you Mm. have a spider near me i can't um i i just can't it's something it doesn't make sense it drives my brother and my husband nuts because they're like it's dead like dead like I don't understand but I completely can't do spiders they just have too many legs and so
1: (laughs) yeah and I I told like and I like mine was any insect but I remember my mom uh, has this lives in this bungalow and she's got a really large basement and there was one day I went into her basement and it's a fully finished basement totally clean no cobwebs or everything and I was cleaning out a box and I found a little box and in the box was a teeny tiny dead dried up spider and for about two years I wouldn't go into her basement so I totally get it and yeah the logical part of your brain and like that's why I tried traditional therapy for the phobia and they're like well just tell yourself that it's okay and let's read up on spiders and bugs which was hard because I couldn't even look at the books because I'm like there's pictures of bugs in there but I, I tried that and they're like you know when it happens just count and breathe and I'm like by the time I even recognize that there's a bug I'm already on the other side of the room like I'm already gone. There is no pause between I see a bug and bolt, because that's a phobic reaction. And yeah, I've worked with um, I've worked with car phobias, people who are afraid of driving. Um, I've worked with a um, couple of people with pale phobias. I've worked with uh, flying. That's a, a popular one. So yeah, the mechanism is the same, and it's just it's just some deep programming that needs a little bit of shuffling around.
0: Uh, I think it's really important I want to touch base too for people listening is self-advocacy is so important in this world because even though there are amazing doctors and amazing psychiatrists out there they may not know you that well and they may not know and then they're treating thousands of people so they will treat everybody well you have this like they'll put you into a cookie cutter mold and you have to advocate for yourself and you have to advocate for your loved ones if you see it and you have to push and you have to find that path because it's not always just going to be there Um, and if you're not getting the help or really seeing that difference then that's why we have people like you that maybe can even help to help us self-advocate for ourselves and help us to get better if we've tried everything and we just can't get there.
1: Right well self-advocacy presupposes that I know I'm worthy of help, which is the rub, because when you're suffering from depression and anxiety, you don't know that yet. And so you go to therapy to help you learn this, only you spend all your time in therapy talking about why you don't feel worthy or you don't feel good enough. And there's this gap in terms of, well, how do I, I get there? And I remember talking to my therapist for year, I was a terrible patient by the way because I have a degree in psychology so they tell me stuff I'd be like yeah I know I read the book too like I was so obnoxious (laughs) and I used to say to them like my head understands what you're saying I get it I don't know how to make my heart feel it how do I bridge the gap between my head and my heart and they said it'll eventually just happen and it never did and a lot of times it doesn't and so the work I do bridges that gap. I fill in that gap between what you know and how you feel, how to actually make it so that you don't just objectively rationalize and be like, yeah, I, my life is good. I shouldn't feel sad, which man, that's the trap of every person with depression. I have no reason to feel sad. Never in the history of telling yourself that has it made you feel better. So how do we actually get it from being a rational intellectual concept into an actual knowing in your heart? And that's where I specialize.
0: That's amazing. And then moving on to um, to a deeper question: When we are in that place, that dark, deep horrible place, we don't talk nice to ourselves, which then keeps us exactly where we are. And it won't allow us to grow. So how do you um, talk to your clients? Or how did you talk to yourself to really flip the switch and talk more positively and going back to what you just said, make you be worthy and know that you deserve it instead of I'm not good enough. I'm terrible. I'm, I'm just sick. I'm just how do you flip that so you know that you are worthy of a chance?
1: so in traditional therapy it's more of an outside in process i start with my thoughts and i start with different strategies like breathing and i talk to myself regularly over and over again and over time it reprograms until it moves inwards that's the theory Uh, it takes a very long time and oftentimes it results in two voices in our head one saying i'm worthy and i can do this another one being like no you're not and so we end up fighting our neurology and it's it's effective, it does work, but it's kind of like going up an escalator that's going down. You'll get there, but you're going to run 10 times as hard and you're going to hit the bottom a lot of times. So in the work that I do, I work with more of the unconscious route, just more of an inside out process. Instead of how do I change my language to convince myself that I'm worthy, which doesn't work. Because when trying someone tries to convince you of something that you don't believe in, you just fight harder for your belief. Um, what I do is I work on the unconscious programming. So if you think about it, Our only way of interacting with the world is through our five senses. So information comes into me from my external environment and that, um, we're exposed to about 20 million bits of information every second. There's a lot of data coming in through our five senses. Um, But our own human neurology is really only capable of processing about 134 bits at a time, a very small amount. A lot of information gets completely deleted, some gets distorted to fit our biases, some gets just kind of generalized. And what determines what gets through are what are called neurological filters in psychology, things like your memories, your beliefs, your past decisions. These are your software programs, right? If you think about the human brain kind of like a computer, which in a lot of ways it is, you can see that we have hardware, we have software. So hardware are like your cells, your neurons, your tissues. Software are your beliefs, your memories. And in the traditional medical system, depression and anxiety is considered a hardware problem. Something happened, your computer came off the line, someone forgot to weld something together, whoops, you just got a bad machine, we'll teach you how to work around it. The truth is is that your software programs are what make you who you are. It is your beliefs, it is your values, it is your decisions, it is your deep personality traits that define who you are. And software programs are meant to change, they're meant to be upgraded. And so I don't work on the premise of a bad hardware system. I work on the premise that you're just running some software programs in your life. You're running some beliefs in your life that at some point probably served you well, at some point, believing you weren't good enough likely kept you safe in an unsafe environment and you're not in that environment anymore. And so I go in and we figure out what are the filters that you're running and I uninstall them at the unconscious level. And so when you work from the inside out, the behavior and the thoughts just change. That's why when I did that work that first time, we never worked on self-esteem. We never worked on the eating disorder. We never worked on the depression. But when we change the software programs, it opens up some space for possibility. And once you have choice and possibility, new things can flow in. And you can start to listen to a, a different voice shows up that doesn't require you to fight the old voice. The old voice just kind of dies on its own because it's connected to a software program.
0: That's amazing. I love the um, the example you gave because it's really going to allow people to understand and connect a lot better by the way you worded that. That was incredible. Um, makes it a little bit more as opposed to really talking about the hypnosis because some people might be where you are or like, I don't really believe in that. And hypnosis is, isn't that like I'm going to be a monkey and dancing on top of a table? Like they don't understand right. that. a lot of <laughs> yeah, things. Thank you, Hollywood.
1: <laughs> <done>. <laughs> yeah. Right. And the, the truth is though, what's interesting is that From an unconscious mind perspective, every word you say out loud or in your head is basically a hypnotic suggestion. So we are all hypnotizing ourselves all the time. So the question isn't, can you be hypnotized? Are you in hypnosis? The question is, what trance are you creating? Are you in the trance of not good enough? Are you in the trance of not worthy? And how can we move you from that trance into the trance of empowerment and the trance of lovability so we're all hypnotized all the time all the time right you watch a tv show you see a commercial you then want to go buy the object guess what you got hypnotized so let's leverage it and let's use our minds to empower ourselves Since it's already a built-in mechanism anyways
0: that's awesome uh, when we're talking about sort of the really helping ourselves to get better emotionally and really changing our thought pattern. How do we go into an action mode and really step into our truer, better selves? How do we take everything or how do you recommend people would take everything and just be be their best selves? What's that
1: first step? This is going to sound so strange. The first step is to uh, tap into your anger, to acknowledge your anger. Um, anger is the most important emotion that we have. So our emotions are basically a biofeedback device between our Conscious mind, rational awareness, and our more instinctual self, or what we call the unconscious mind. And these two parts of us need to communicate in some fashion. And so emotions are the bridge. They are meant to give us data. They are meant to give us feedback, Uh, only we're not taught how to listen to them and interpret them. We're taught to shove them down with, you know, sugar, booze, whatever we can find. And so when we look at emotions as a communication system, each one is meant to tell us something. So sadness lets us know that there's been some sort of a loss. It tells us that we need healing, but how many of us give ourselves the gift of healing when we're sad versus berate ourselves and tell ourselves what we shouldn't feel sad because other people have it worse and all sorts of stuff. Anger is the emotion that our unconscious mind uses to let us know when we're giving too much or we're not receiving enough, which in psychology speak is talking about boundaries. And your boundaries are how you know where you are, and where you are not what is in your realm of control and what is not in your realm of control so your boundaries are directly related to your sense of self and your space and place in the universe and anger is the emotion that our unconscious mind uses to alert us to a problem with our boundaries which means anger is directly tied to our sense of self and to our space and place in the universe and it's the very first emotion that we're taught to turn off because it's not nice Right, because we put the needs of others ahead of our own. We are so busy being nice that we're not necessarily being compassionate. And in the branch of psychology that I operate, which is traditional therapy, is more like the Sigmund Freud branch of psychology. Um, I work more on the Carl Jung side, which is more about emotions. And in this branch, there are five main negative emotions, and they're actually arranged in a hierarchy. In the hierarchy, I'm going to use the very high-tech version of my hand. So it's anger at the top, then sadness, then fear, then hurt, then guilt. So anger, sadness, fear, hurt, guilt. Now let's say I'm going along in life and something makes me angry, but I've been taught not to feel my anger because it's not nice, because it's not kind, because I shouldn't, because it's not spiritual, because fill in the blank. And so I ignore my anger. Over time, this part, it's called a gestalt is going to get very heavy with unresolved anger and it's gonna collapse down into sadness. And we call that depression. Depression in my world is 100% related to repressed anger. Now let's say I can't acknowledge my sadness either because no one likes a Debbie Downer and he's got a smile and all that fun stuff that we like to tell ourselves. Eventually that's gonna get heavy and it's gonna collapse down into fear. And that's what we call anxiety. You show me someone who's anxious, I will show you someone who's deeply, deeply angry, has no idea how to acknowledge it, and no idea what to do about it, and has no idea what a good boundary is. They often have either no boundaries at all, or walls, very rigid rules, which walls need guarding. Walls take a lot of energy, and so they're exhausting. Um, Now, if you're really lucky, um, all of these are completely squished shut, and so the only emotion you really let yourself feel is shame. Um, And a lot of people live here. A lot of people, that's where the not good enough, that's where the unworthy, that's where the not lovable fits in. Where anything that happens outside of me automatically creates a cascade where I flip it on myself and decide that it must be because of a defect in myself, that it must be be because I'm broken. When in fact, a healthy human being is meant to feel all their emotions, anger included. And since anger is at the top of that gestalt hierarchy, and since it is the one that's connected to our boundaries and our sense of self and our space and place in the universe, that's a great first step. Uh, With that being said, the caveat is is that if you're really good at being nice, uh, you either have no idea what anger even feels like in your body, or some people I've worked with actually have a trauma response to anger. They actually cannot let themselves get angry without it setting off a cascade. And those are the people that I love to work with because we just uninstall some some programs and then we open up the space so that they can start to listen to their emotions, to use them as the biofeedback device that they're meant to be. They are a guidance system. And when we turn off our guidance system, no kidding, it feels like we're flying blind. We are. And yeah, we're going to hit a couple things. <laughs>
0: I think uh, you hit a lot of nails right there with so many people by that explanation. I think so many people will be able to resonate with that and be able to look for ways to improve because it has to be very exhausting. And I think when you said like the the um, I'm probably going to get it wrong here, but um, a lot of people are great at showing up with a smile on their face. Yes, they're very good at it and they're able to just show up and everybody loves being around them but when they're behind closed doors it's completely different and it's wonderful that you offer the service in a safe space that those people can be their true selves and not have to show up that way because it's exhausting too for those people that are showing up like this brilliant smile because they're acting all day long um yeah. to make other people feel better it's not it's not for them they're doing it so other people feel better or so other people Um, Don't call them a Debbie Downer or don't tell them like you're so angry Um, and it's not nice. So they just show up in a different way to appease society as opposed to.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And what's what's the really hard part for people to hear is when we do that, when we are being nice so that other people will, will like us, that's manipulation. And we will feel that in our soul. And the other people will feel that and what we are doing the reason it's not compassion—is because we are we are robbing people and we are robbing ourselves of the opportunity to know us when i'm so busy letting someone have what i think that they want and i'm anticipating what they think they need from me i am robbing them of the opportunity to actually know me and that's not fair that's not compassionate i am stealing something from them that they don't even know because they bought the illusion and now I think that I'm giving them what they want when in fact they're not knowing who I am and I'm feeling like a fraud in my life. And so no one's winning. And so while it's nice, it's not compassionate. Compassionate is being willing to show up as the messy human that you are and to allow people to know that part of you. And it takes vulnerability, which it requires courage. And it is something that I love to work with people on because when you can show up in your life and say, this is who I am, it's so much more freedom. It's so much more freedom.
0: We are actually a part of it. I'm not I'm pretty sure you're part of the um, the group and I'm I it's a private group and it's just come as you are and it's a brilliant group because when we are frustrated and it's a lot of business owners are a part of this group and you can just show up and say like, Oh my gosh, this is my day today and I'm I'm just I'm feeling it and then people will all come and help you and it's a brilliant thing when you have that support from entrepreneurs and, and woman entrepreneurs that really If you find that right group, you can find the most magical human beings in the world that just help you through really difficult times. Um, So thank you. Now, my last question is tell us like really, and you have told us a lot about your business, but give us just a really good synopsis of how you help people on a daily basis and, and exactly what you do. So you do hypnosis, but I'm sure you do more than that.
1: Yeah. Hypnosis is actually the tool I use the least, believe it or not, but it's the one that people have heard of the most. Um, It's also a great conversation starter. If you tell people that you do hypnosis, people want to chat. Or really interesting, um, pre-COVID at parties, you tell people you do hypnosis. I've had people take a step away from me. So it's kind of just fun. Someone's like, are you going to... One person's like, are you going to control my mind? And I was just in a mood that day. I'm like, maybe I already have. And they're like... (laughs) "Ha because if you're going to do hypnosis have a sense of humor about it um my opinion right so i i use a bunch of different mind body techniques basically it's based on gestalt psychology it's based on carl jung's theories about emotion it mixes in with the spiritual world well in terms of what they call the shadow self which is from carl jung and uh, if anyone's seen the movie inside out by pixar um that's a great way to understand what I do. Because in that movie, the emotions are arranged by little colored balls and they're all connected. And what happens is the way our unconscious mind works is um, if something happens in the present moment and it has a big emotional response and there's too much emotion for me to handle, And if feeling all those emotions is going to completely shut me down, then my unconscious mind will take those emotions and it'll move it out of my awareness. It'll hide it from myself so I can get through what I need to get through. And this is where we tell ourselves things like, I just put it out of my head. I just got over it. And I love that. I'm always like, cool. Where did it go? (laughs) Did magic fairies come to take it? Like, it's not gone. It's just out of your awareness. If you didn't do anything, the emotion's not gone. But this is a mechanism that we have so we can function. And what happens is our unconscious mind takes this from us and says, okay, let me hide this from you, but it's important. So we're going to to come back to this. Let's put a pin in it only we never go back for the pins. (laughs) We get through what we need to get through and we're fine. And so over the course of our lifetime, we get all these little pins from all the emotions that we didn't want to deal with in the moment. And that's cool, only they need to be resolved. So we have a backup mechanism where every once in a while, something will happen in the present moment that's somewhat similar to one of these pins and our unconscious mind like, oh, goody, goody, let's get a two for one deal on this. Let's throw this up to the surface, see if they can figure this out. And so something small happens in the moment. And we have this huge, emotional response and we call it a trigger and a trigger means your unconscious mind is functioning exactly as it should it's meant to do that it means that you're attempting to resolve negative emotions what I do is I pull those pins, I neutralize those pins so that when something happens in the present moment, you can react to just that moment, as opposed to all the times that it, it happened in the past. And so the first part of my private practice is releasing those pins. And I do that through different advanced mind-body tools that, like I said, play into Gestalt psychology, Jungian psychology, um, Ericksonian hypnosis, which is more conversational. I don't do a lot of traditional, you know, look into my eyes. Um, Although I can, but I don't, I just don't. It's, It's, believe it or not, the least effective tool that I have. So I don't use a lot of that. And then once we've cleared out all those pins, once we've neutralized all those old software programs, then I coach people on, well, now what? Now that you know you're worthy, how do you live your worthiness? no one knows how to do that. We're so good at managing our brokenness, managing the pins, avoiding the pins, that we don't know how to live our worthiness. And so that's where the coaching side comes in, talking about healthy boundaries, all sorts of fun stuff. Um, so I do that in my one-on-one private practice for people who are looking for um, intimate, fast change. It takes about 10 to 12 hours of work for me to completely reinstall and uninstall things. So it's not, it's not like you have to do the years and years. Um, I have my six-month mentorship program where I'm at your beck and call for six months and we get you from where you are to exactly where you want to be. And in that program, I can guarantee my results in writing because that's how powerful these tools are. Uh, For people who are looking to get to know me a bit before, um, I do have group coaching that I offer once a month. I have a free virtual healing circle that I run every Thursday night. Uh, it's eight o'clock Eastern Standard Time on Zoom. We I talk about different topics every week and then I lead everyone through a guided meditation, um, some grounding, Everyone everyone sleeps great on Thursday nights. So I always invite people, if you wanna get to know me, come hang out with me for 90 minutes on Zoom on Thursday nights. No RSVP needed, come whenever. You just have to go onto my website to register to get the Zoom link. Um, And then the information that is recorded that during the healing circle then becomes my podcast. So if people want to listen to me and get a feel for what I talk about, my podcast is called Bridging the Spiritual Gap. It is on iTunes. It is on um, Spotify. um, And uh, we talk about everything from emotions to high spiritual stuff and everywhere in between and how to start to empower yourself, how to start to make changes in your life. Um, And then I also run trainings. I'm a board designated trainer through the American Board of Hypnotherapy and Neuro Linguistic Programming. So anyone who is a practitioner or anyone who is parents, teachers um, love this course. Um, It's an eight day course and you come out with four board designations um, so that you can actually put letters after your name. It's tax deductible and you can start to work with people and it gives people the tools that I use to start to bring into their life. So I, I have all these different avenues to allow people to get to know me and allow people to work with me in a bunch of different forums and people can get all the information on my website which is livelifeunbroken.com.
0: Definitely gonna be putting all the links in so it's easy clickable. Um, so people can just click right to your links because I think what you're offering is unbelievable and your messaging and the way you word it makes it resonate with people so, so easily that they can see themselves stepping into a truer self because it makes it a little bit more understandable for them and just the software and the the way you worded everything, I just absolutely love it. So I wanted to thank you so, so much for being on Munchies and Mindset today and absolutely for anybody who wants to click further, there will be a little bit of um, links on this, on this Facebook page that you can just click on and go and check out Jennifer's Facebook page, check out everything she has to offer. And if you're ready to make that next step, you can go see her and absolutely make that next step. So thank you so much, Jennifer. And for those of you watching, if you want to if you want to snack guilt-free, you can go to holisticapproachstore.com and all our snacks help to nourish the body and not deplete it. Thank you for listening to Munchies & Mindset. Our goal is to help people who may be stuck or lost find that light within themselves. If you have questions, you can reach out on Facebook or Instagram at Holistic Approach Store, all one word. And remember, if you want a snack guilt-free, check us out at www.holisticapproachstore.com. Until next time, remember, mindset matters.